right. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 1, says this. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They stood there puzzled. Two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified, and they bowed their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone that is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember that he told you back in Galilee, the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Today, Easter Sunday, we celebrate the greatest event that has ever happened in history. The absolute greatest event. The event that changed everything. The resurrection of Jesus, right? And this is why we're here, right? It's okay to be happy about that. That's a good thing, right? The resurrection of Jesus, his death and resurrection is the very thing that gives us life. It's what gives us hope. It's his death and resurrection that leads to our forgiveness, that provides us with hope and grace, and power. And it's his resurrection that gives us the ultimate victory in the end. His resurrection changed everything. Yet, sometimes we don't live our lives as if that event occurred. Sometimes we get trapped in, in this thing that, that, I, that I have experienced personally and that I've seen far too often that threatens this gift, this beautiful hope that we have. It temp, attempts to rob the beauty and the simplicity of the gospel message of Jesus' death and resurrection. To rob us from the freedom and the grace and the joy and the love that we have been given through Jesus. There's this thing that, that I've seen placed on a pedestal actually above Jesus. And unfortunately, it masquerades in and out of churches all over the world. And it's pushing people further and further away from Jesus. Further away from the very thing that we claim is victory. The thing I'm talking about and that we're going to talk about today is religion. Toxic religion. And as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and I know this is kind of maybe a weird topic on Easter. I've been kind of battling back and forth with this. but, But I think it is so important for us, especially for some people that I know, no shade, I feel it, but... You know, some people only jump in and out of church on Easter and Christmas because, you know, they're supposed to. And if that's you, glad you're here. Glad you're watching online. No shade. You're at the right spot. But maybe the reason that that is is because you've been faced with religion. 
Let me just ask you, um, in person, I want you to participate. You can raise your hand, and if you're online, drop a comment in the comment section. But how many of you, throughout your life, have ever come face-to-face and experienced hurt from religion? Yeah, a lot of us. How many of you have ever felt like I have so much throughout my life that you're not good enough, and that you're not worthy enough, and that you will never, ever be able to measure up when it comes to your faith and relationship. Right. We all struggle with this from time to time, and it's because of this toxic religion. Note the word toxic. And so again, Easter Sunday, my, my hope and my prayer today for each of you is that, that I can help lead you as far away from toxic religion as possible and then lead you to the loving arms of Jesus. Jesus who gave it all for you, who died and rose again for you. You see, as clearly clearly as I can say it, God did not send his son Jesus to die for you, for you to be religious. Let me say that again. He didn't send his son Jesus to die for you, For you to be religious. He did it to set you free. So that you would have the power of the Holy Spirit living in and through you. That you could claim victory. That you could have joy and peace. You could be made right with God because of Jesus. See, in its essence, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. It truly is. It is a relationship not a religion. God sent his son Jesus so that you could be transformed into a new creation, a new creature. The old things passed away, all things become new. You have a relationship with Jesus. And so again, this morning or Easter or whenever you're watching, I want to use scripture to expose this type of religion And then lead you again into the truth and the hope of Jesus Christ. The true foundation of everything that we believe. So, what's the issue with religion, right? That seems like a a, a touchy thing to say. Um, I I have a shirt that says religion kills on it and has a hand grenade on it. And um, I've had a lot of interesting conversations wearing that shirt. I almost wore it today, but I didn't feel some of y'all were ready for that. Um, but um, I almost didn't get into Universal Studios when we were on vacation once wearing that. I got pulled to the side and interrogated. True story. Legit. Um, but, but what's the issue with religion, right? Well, let's be honest. As we've mentioned, I, you know, had everyone raise their hand that have experienced toxic religion and hurt and pain from it. And it was pretty much everyone. You see, religion, it, it takes and creates like this sickness and death because it fixes our eyes off Jesus and puts it on something completely different, right? Religion, I mean, it, it takes the purity of the gospel message of Jesus and then perverts it and pollutes it by man's attempts to, to try to organize this religion. It's fueled typically by man's desire and humans desire for power and control i've seen that my whole life and the end result of that is that it's creating chaos damage 
It's pushing people away from God left and right. Personally, I've witnessed and experienced this hurt so much. So much. I can't tell you how many times I've encountered these incredible people. And when I start talking to them about God, they're like, you know what? I don't want nothing to do with that. And then when I stop and I just listen to their story a little more, it's not long before religion pops its head up there. Some bad, negative, painful, hurtful experience with religion comes to the table. And honestly, it may be exactly where you're at today. Maybe that's kind of how you feel. Like you're just tired of religion and you don't want anything to do with the church or God because of that. Maybe the only reason that you're here or watching online because someone that you love invited you to come, invited you to log on. So you're doing them a solid. But the reality is, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. It's about Jesus and what he's done for us. Yet it's still there. Like I said, it's masquerading itself all through the church. I've pretty much grown up my entire life in the church, like for real. Like some of my first memories are getting in trouble in Sunday school, Um, getting pulled out, you know, Sunday school by my dad because I did something stupid. And, you know, you know, that's me. It's what it was to go into a children's church with flannel graph boards that shows my age a little bit. Then, you know, then I went to a Christian school from kindergarten through 12th grade. Right? Then I went to Bible college, got a four-year degree in biblical studies, got my MBA from a Christian university, like, and now I'm a pastor, right? So I've, I've been in and around church my entire life. And if I'm being completely honest, it's not always been a fun journey. It's not always been a relaxing and rewarding journey. It's been a journey at times of pain and hurt, and not because of people outside the church, but because of the judgment and the hate and the shame that I experienced from people within. And that's because some people lose sight of Jesus. They buy into the lie of toxic religion. I've seen it far too many times. You know, and as I think about some of the characteristics of this toxic religion that we see, that I've experienced, that I'm sure some of you have experienced as well, there's always a few characteristics that are always there, that are always present. And so like I said, I want to expose the lie of the toxicity of religion. I want to use scripture to do it so that it's not Andy's ideas or thoughts or his bitterness or his, you know, Un, you know, not work through trauma from religion or whatever it might be, but it's here in Scripture. We see that it was a problem then, just as it's a problem now. And the first character, characteristic that we see in this toxic religion is that it always focuses on the external rather than the internal. It focuses on the external works, performance, not the internal transformation. It's an outward show, not internal transformation. It's this mindset and attitude that says, man, look at, look at how good I am. Let me show you how great I am, how holy I am, how worthy I am, right? It reduces a relationship with God down to a bunch of rules. 
it minimizes it to a list of do's and don'ts, right? That if you dot all your I's and that you cross all your T's, then you could be made right with God and he'll be happy with you and he'll approve of you. It's performance. It's focusing on the external rather than the internal. And this false religious mindset of focusing on the external, not on the internal, not on the transformation, not on the relationship with Jesus, man, it is, it is damaging and destructive to the mission, to the gospel. Honestly, it's a slap in the face to what Jesus did for us on the cross and the victory that he claimed for us in resurrection. And it's running rampant, like I said, in our world today. But again, this isn't anything new. Right? This false idea of focusing on the external rather than the internal was around when Jesus was walking the earth. You see, at that time, there was these group of individuals who were like the religious elite, like the best of the best, known as the Pharisees, right? And they, they truly, probably more than anybody, focused on the external. And honestly, they were pretty good people. Like, they were solid, like, when it came to rules. But you see, Jesus couldn't stand this type of religion. When you look at his earthly ministry, you see that Jesus speaks out against the Pharisees more than anyone. Not the sinners, not the people that were living wrong, not the people that wanted nothing to do with him, but the religious, the Pharisees. In fact, we can kind of see Jesus teeing off on them um, and exposing their toxic religion in Matthew chapter 23. And we're going to read 25 through 28. And this is what Jesus said to them. He said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside will also be clean. It's about the internal transformation Once you have that relationship with Jesus and you connect with him, he begins to change you from the inside out. He'll take care of the external. We focus on the internal. But that's not what religion says. Jesus continues. He says, woe to you again, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. He says, in the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy, wickedness. And I don't think Jesus could be any clearer in what's important here. It's not the external. The Pharisees, man, they were all about the look. Like I said, they were good at it. We read where they'll stand out in the corners praying out loud for all to hear so you could see how spiritual they were. When they were in the temple and they were bringing their offerings, they would hold it up in the air before they laid it on the altar so everyone could see what they were given, right? Just trying to flex, show out a little bit. They dressed in a way just to, just to show how great they were, how spiritual they were. They were focused on the external, and Jesus, man, he hated it. He hated this spiritual, like, just let's, let me look spiritual. But he said, I want you to focus on the internal. But that's what religion leads to, 
a focus on the external rather than the internal. Another characteristic about this toxic religion that we see is that it encourages spiritual pride. Spiritual pride. You see, these people, they get fixated on the external, right? When you are focused so much on looking good, sounding good, saying all the right things, you lose focus and you begin to have spiritual pride. And spiritual pride then leads typically to looking down on other people, judging other people, lifting yourself up above them so that you can feel better about yourself. You can quickly become proud and arrogant and have this attitude of, I'm smarter than you, like I'm better than you, I know more than you, I know all the right answers. Man, that's a big one. That's a pet peeve of mine. When people start talking about that they have 100% all the right answers, I'm leery about that person. But you hear that. They have all the right answers. They know who's in. They know who's out. Hello. They know who's in. That's what they think. They'll tell you, you're in, you're out. You see, far too often in Christian communities and in churches and around anything religious, you'll find these people, right? They're typically kind of the door guards, the ones that are wagging their fingers, right? The ones that says, you've got to do A, B, C, and D in order to arrive at E. It's about performance. It's about looking the part. It's about what we say here a lot of times is, you know, wearing that mask. And I'm here to tell you today that this focus on the external, this spiritual pride, man, there could be nothing more damaging to the gospel. Nothing more damaging to the message of Jesus, to the church, to the truth that Jesus died and rose again for you than spiritual pride. Arrogance. Thinking that you got it all together. It minimizes, pushes aside what Jesus did. And again, Jesus wasn't about it. He couldn't stand this attitude, this arrogance, right? The spiritual pride. Luke 18, he tells, Jesus tells a powerful story, a parable, right, to a group of people that were this, that were very spiritually proud. And he tells this story to them. And we're going to find it in Luke chapter 18. We're going to start reading in verse 9. And it says this, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, right? We've all been around those people. Jesus told them this parable. So he's telling this to their faces. He said, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And if you don't know much about tax collectors during that time and day, they were some of the most despised and hated people you could imagine. They were, they were like everyone hated them, right? So you have this Pharisee, the religious elite, and one of the most hated people there is. The Pharisee stood by himself, and this was his prayer. He prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. This dude, man, he was proud of himself, right? He thought he was the jam. Like, he's crushing it. Look at all I do. Like, this is his prayer. He's not just saying this to someone else, man. He's talking to God. God, I thank you that I am the man, 
And all these other people over here just want, wish they could be me. It's religion. He's proud. He's arrogant. He's focused on the external. Man, look at how great I am. I like these people. He was proud. And again, it's this spiritual pride that is turning people away from God left and right. Seen it far too often. And I think about just a few years ago, I was at a Louisville football game with some friends of mine that aren't believers. And we're leaving the game. We had a great time. And walking out in this crowd of people, you know, before COVID, this dude in front of me is tilting his head back and he is screaming at the top of his lungs to anyone and everyone that walks by, sinner, you're a terrible person, you're going to burn in hell. God knows you've been drinking and you've been doing this and you've been partying at this game. Some of you have been betting. You better repent or burn. And he's going off. And here I am, like, with some of my friends that I long for them to come to know Jesus. And this dude's pushing them away through hate, judgment. Not what Jesus would do. And y'all know me, I couldn't keep my mouth shut. We had a nice conversation, and he apologized to me in the end. I don't know that it would change anything, but it was destructive. It wasn't Jesus, I can tell you that. I think of another time where a buddy of mine, uh, this was years and years back, but he took his son, his six-year-old son, to, to a, a Michael Jackson, Cirque du Soleil, whatever thing at the Yum Center. And his son loved Michael Jackson. And so they went to that, had a great time, and on their way walking back to the car, there's a dude with a bullhorn on the corner screaming at him, telling them because they went and saw Michael Jackson that they were going to burn in hell. And his six-year-old son was devastated, terrified that because he went and watched some acrobats perform to Michael Jackson's music that he was now going to burn in hell. Now, do you think that made his dad want to run to the church? Run to that guy's church specifically? Do you think that made him want to know more about this guy and, and what he believed about this God that he professed? No, not a bit. It made him want to avoid people like that. And that's what toxic religion is doing. You see, these are perfect examples of that type of religion on display. People full of spiritual pride. Pharisees. People slinging hate and judgment instead of the true gospel message of Jesus. It's pushing people away to the extent that they say, why in the world would I want to be a part of these hateful, judgmental, cynical, miserable, arrogant people? As opposed to them saying, I want to be set free. I want to know Jesus. I want to have the, the love and the mercy and the grace and the unity and the compassion and the victory that's found in him. But they don't know that because religion is running rampant. We've cleaned the outside of the cup and dish. We've cleaned the outside of the tomb. But inside it's messy. 
It was dirty, full of dead bones. Filthy. It's time to understand once again that Jesus didn't come, die on the cross, rise again for us to be religious. He did it so that we would have a relationship with him, a relationship that he longs to have with each and every one of you. And here at Life Point Church, understand that that is what we are committed to. We are not about religion. We are never going to be about religion. And I pray that you never would either, but that you would focus on a relationship with Jesus, and that we would sell out to the gospel message. The gospel means good news. Unfortunately, my friend didn't hear good news when a guy had the opportunity to give him good news. He heard hate, judgment, cast upon his six-year-old son. No, we're going to sell out to the gospel, the good news of Jesus. That he came and gave his life and rose victoriously so that we could be made right with God. Not because of our own works, but because of what he did. Period. The end. That's what it's about. And so uh, what I want to do with the rest of our time today, I want you to hear, I want to present as clearly as I can the truth, the gospel message of Jesus. Again, using scripture, not Andy's words, but using scripture. So I want us to look at three verses, and I'm going to unpack them very quickly. I promise. Bear with me, people. It's Easter. So check it out. Romans chapter 3, verse 20 through 22. Paul said this. He said, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness or this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. Let's break this down a bit. First, the first thing we see from this is I want you to understand when we're looking at the true gospel message, a relationship with Jesus, the first thing that we see is that you cannot earn God's approval by observing the law. Clear as day. You cannot earn your way to be made right before God. You can't work your way to being good enough. You never will. And that's okay. It's okay because we're going to see what happens next. But this scripture clearly indicates, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. You just can't do it. So give yourself a break. Take a deep breath. Receive the grace that God extends to you. So then why do we have the law, right? Why is it there just chaos? No rules. Second thing we see is that the law exists to show you your need for a savior. The law exists to point you to Jesus, not to beat you down. Again, verse 20, therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sins. So let's just take a little poll again. Participate in person or online, but let's look at the Ten Commandments, for example, right? Most people know at least the sum of them, right? How many of you all have ever told a lie? 
good. Man, raise your hand proud, you liars. Come on. Right? How many of you all, this one, no one likes to raise their hand on this one, but how many of you have ever lusted? Right. Way to be honest, it's Easter in church, you better. Anyone ever put anything before God? Idolatry, right? Sports, watching TV, a relationship, right? How many have ever, like, wanted something that someone else had? Coveted. I did that the other day. There was a really nice four-door Jeep that was, like, matte gray, black wheels. It was fire. It was nice. You see, the law exists not to beat us down. And I joke about those things, and it's not something that we should just, you know, uh, no rules, doesn't matter. No, the, the law exists to point us to Jesus, to show us our need for a Savior. It serves an incredible purpose. See, because none of us will ever be able to be made right before God. None of us are perfect. I don't care who you are. I'm definitely not perfect, so don't ever put me in that category, please, because I will fail you. Right? Some of the... Some of the People that are in my small group, they're like, yup, he ain't, trust me. I've seen it. The law points us to Jesus, our need for a Savior. And then the third thing that we see, and this is the greatest news ever, it's where we have hope. That righteousness with God comes by faith in Christ alone. That's the only way that we will be made right with God is through Jesus nothing else. I like to say it, it's Christ plus nothing. Y'all have heard me say that before. It's Christ plus nothing. Verse 22, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. It's Christ plus nothing. So you see, I'm, I'm kind of a visual person, so that's why this Jenga tower is here, Right? probably been wondering about that, especially you, like, you know, ADHD people. I would be sitting there and be like, okay, is he going to knock it down? Like, what's going on? That's what you've probably been watching and paying attention to. But, but this Jenga tower, I mean, this is like this representation of, like, life, right? And all these different blocks represent, like, some religious act or a religious, you know, work that we think we need in order to be made right before God. The only one that's different is this red one down here, if you can see that. And that block represents Jesus, right? You see, it's Christ plus nothing. We can begin to remove, maybe, we can begin to remove things like, you know, what version of the Bible do you use, do you read in your study time? You know, it doesn't matter. We could say things like, you know, you went to the football game, did you have a beer? You know, don't get mad at me, people, but the grand scheme of things doesn't matter. That's religion. How many times, how much time did you spend reading the Bible? This is the Bible, man. That's important. We need to read God's word. You know, this is down here kind of in the foundation, but we can still say, ultimately, it's important. We did a whole series on good spiritual habits, but it's not the end all be all. The tower still stands. There's all these religious works. Going and, and watching, you know, Michael Jackson, Cirque du Soleil or whatever. 
secular music. It matters. The tower stands. It's Christ plus nothing. So what happens when we remove Jesus? Right? We all know what's going to happen. Everything falls. Everything crumbles when we take Jesus out of the picture. It's Christ plus nothing. That's what it's about. Not about religion. It's about a relationship with the one that matters. The ultimate. This is what's important. It's Christ plus nothing. All who put their faith in Christ alone will receive the righteousness that righteousness of God and they will be totally forgiven. Right? Totally forgiven, completely transformed. When God looks at you once you believe and you're connected to Jesus, he no longer sees your 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 mess, your sin, all those secret things that you do that no one else knows that he knows. He doesn't see those things. He sees the righteousness of Jesus surrounding you. Not because of anything that you've ever done or could ever do, but because of Jesus and what he did on the cross and the fact that he rose victoriously. This is why it's a relationship, not religion. Can't stress it enough. Relationship with Jesus will always supersede religion. Religion's all about me, but a relationship with God, it's about him. Religion is about my external works, how I perform, what I do, but a relationship with, with God is all about his perfect work, completed through Jesus. Religion says if I work hard enough and I do enough things, maybe God will love me. But a relationship says that I obey God and his commands and I follow him because he already does love me. Religion says it's about what you do. But a relationship with Christ is about what's already been done. The world is tired of religious, holier than thou, hypocritical, arrogant Christians. They're tired of it because they can see through it. They can see that it's all an outward show. Just like the Pharisee back in Luke 18 that we read about, the parable that Jesus was telling, right? This Pharisee and his, his arrogant prayer of, God, thank you that I am so great. But there were two people in that story, Right? We heard the prayer of the Pharisee, but what about the tax collector? What about the guy that the Pharisee was actually throwing shade at in his prayer? What about him? He does what I hope that each and every single one of you all do. Is that you humble yourself before God. Understanding that you're not perfect. That you never will be perfect and that you're in need of a savior. And receive him. This is what the tax collector did. Luke 18 verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. 
And he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, sinner. And this is what Jesus said again. Remember, he's talking, he's telling this story to those religious people that thought they were better than everyone else, that were looking down on everyone else. Jesus said, I tell you that this man, tax collector, rather than the, the Pharisee, right? Rather than him, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. And it's because Jesus did not come to make you religious. He didn't come for you to be spiritually arrogant and to perform. He came to set you free. Christianity in its essence is not a religion. Hear me clearly. It's not a religion. It's a relationship with a living God through his son Jesus who died on the cross and rose again for you, empowered by the Holy Spirit so that you could live, so that you could love, so that you could be on mission sharing that same truth that has set you free with anyone and everyone around you. Not with arrogance, but like that tax collector that says, I'm a sinner. I'm flawed, I'm not perfect. But when God sees me, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. Not because of me, but because of what he did for me. You see, when we embrace that, as individuals, and as a church, we will never be the same. So if you're here today, Easter Sunday, right? Maybe you've been pushed away by religion. Again, maybe you're here just because you're trying to do someone a solid, get them off your back maybe even. Not even doing them solid, just like leave me alone and I'll go. If it's religion that's pushing you away, understand that's not what it's about. It's about Jesus and his completed work on the cross that we celebrate today that didn't end there, but he rose victoriously. He did that for you and for me so that we can know him and be set free. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for dying for us. Jesus, we didn't deserve it. We'll never deserve it. Honestly, I'll never understand it. But I'm so thankful that you endured a beating, you endured shame, you endured the cross and did so for me. did that for all people so that we could be made right before you, for God, for the Father. And Jesus, thank you so much. The fact, again, that it didn't end there, but that you rose victoriously, defeating death, hell, and the grave, claiming the ultimate victory. Jesus, we thank you for that. And Lord, today as we, as we listen to you in this time of just reflection and thought, Jesus, may we continue to focus our hearts 
and our minds and our lives on you. Not on religion, but on you. Lord, there are things that you ask us to do. There's things that you require us to do. There's things that we do that will draw us closer and closer to you. But Lord, may we do those things for your kingdom's sake and for your glory so that our hearts will connect with yours so that we can focus on the internal, not an external show. And may you purify our motives. May your Holy Spirit live through us so that others may see you when they see us. Not our outward show. Not our whitewashed tombs. But may we be filled in the inside with your glory and your victory. Again, maybe you're here this morning or whenever you're watching online. And you've come face to face with religion a ton. I get it. I've been there, done it. Honestly, it almost drove me away from the church. It's the reason after Bible college, I bailed on church for two years. Because I was tired of the religion that I saw and the hate and the shame. So I get it. But understand that Jesus gave it all for you. God loved you so much that he sent his son for you so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be made right, that you could be made whole again, not for you to perform. He wants us to know that we're flawed and that we're not perfect, not to beat you down, but so that you will turn to him because you're nothing without him. You're nothing without him. So he made a way. And so if that's you and you're ready to step over that line of faith, you can just call out to Jesus however he leads you, wherever you're at. Scripture says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God rose him from the grave, that you'll be saved. That's a promise. And so if you're ready to step over that line of faith into an actual relationship with Jesus, not religion, but into a relationship with him, just call on him like that tax collector did. Humble yourself before God. And just call on him. Confess and believe. Confess that you have flaws. That you're not perfect. He and the tax collector said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Maybe that's your prayer. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's not about the prayer. It's about you connecting with Jesus and your heart connecting with his. Believing that he is who he said he is. So if that's where you're at, do that now. Or if you have questions about that, you can send us a direct message or in the comments. Or if you're here in person, I'd love to talk with you after the service. He loves you. And he wants to be in a relationship with you. But maybe you're here this morning and religion has a hold of you right now. I've been there too. <laughs> I've played the game. Again, 38 years in the church, I'm good at it. But I don't want to be. 
I don't want you to be. I want you to be good at focusing in on your relationship with Jesus. So maybe there's some things that you need to strip away, things you need to stop worshiping over worshiping Jesus. Maybe there are some things in your life that you're holding as sacred, but in reality, it's preventing some people around you from coming to know Jesus. Be willing to push through that so that others might see Jesus. Do anything short of sin to reach somebody with the gospel. Because it's good news. Jesus, again, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for raising again. Thank you for the victory that we have through your son, Jesus. Thank you. And Lord, as we spend time with you, I pray that you would speak truth over each person that's here or that's watching online. Whatever it is that you want them to hear, whether it has anything to do with anything that I said, that's cool, I'm about it. Jesus, just speak to them. Move in their hearts. Maybe they need to give their life to you for the first time. Maybe they need to reset and start focusing on the internal as opposed to the external. Maybe it's something different. Jesus, may we hear your voice clearly and respond to your leading. May we be a people and may LifePoint Church be a place where we focus on the internal. Where you are the end all be all. May we put you and only you on the pedestal and no one else or nothing else. Because we know if we don't, the tower will fall. Jesus, we thank you. In your name we pray. All right, thank you all so much for being here with us once again for LifePoint Online. If this is your first time here with us, thank you all so much for being here and hanging out with us and checking out LifePoint Church. If you'd like more information or if you have any questions, you can either drop a comment below or you can visit us on our website or any of our social media platforms. And if you have questions, just go ahead and ask and someone from our team will get back with you as soon as we possibly can. Also, if you want to continue to worship uh, with your tithes and your offerings, or if you just simply want to give to LifePoint Church, you can head over to our website. It's lpc502.com. In the top right-hand corner is an online giving button. If you click it, it takes you to a safe and secure place where you can give. You can also begin to text to give by texting the amount that you want to give to the number 84321. But however you choose to give, we're just so thankful and humbled by the fact that you're on mission and that you're giving back just a portion of what it is that God has blessed you with. Again, thank you all so much for being here with us today. We hope that you'll join us in connecting and doing life online throughout the week. And until next Sunday, we'll see you later. Have a great one.